earnings season rolls on, and the further we get from the start, the more cloud stocks we'll be talking about. George Tillis joins us to take a look at Palo Alto. We're also looking for Toll Brothers and the uh, Home Builder Department to come out here this afternoon, too. Uh, George, let's start with Palo Alto. Looks like they gave a bit of a revised higher guidance for the year, and that has some bidders into the aftermarket. This is an interesting one, OJ, because this market is uh, still uh, still on edge. There's no doubt, uh, but we're almost, uh, I would suggest, to a tradable bottom, but that, that's a conversation for another time. But at the end of the day, I think uh, Wall Street is preferring companies with lots of cash. And if you look at Palo Alto, uh, top-line sales beat the estimates. Uh, if you look at the 31% uh, growth on a year-over-year -year basis, came in at $1.32 billion versus $1.28. Also, on earnings, came in on adjusted basis, $174 per share versus $165. So they beat the estimates both on top and bottom line. But I think if you look at Billings growth, uh, that increased about 36 percent uh, year over year when it comes down to the full year. And so we want to see is Billings growth grow faster than sales growth. That Those two combination factors are improving for the company. Uh, and I think overall, if you look at their business model, uh, OJ, it's not just necessarily enterprise uh, endpoint uh, protection when it comes to cybersecurity. It comes down to cloud security, hybrid environments, but also uh, the public sector, government enterprise, is a big customer of Palo Alto uh, overall. But I think uh, one of the reasons we're seeing some uh, relative performance uh, uh, of Palo Alto better uh, performing at least in the last few months relative to the markets overall is the cash position of the company. Uh, it is It does have about $2.27 billion in cash on the balance sheet. Now, that's uh, not big compared to the, uh, the $47 billion in market cap. But if you actually look at the top line sales, uh, $2.27 is quite a large number relative to the uh, close to $4.5 billion in sales for the company. So I think that metric has helped provide some support for the stock. Balance sheet looks rather healthy, and it's also uh, improving its top-line sales growth and billings growth, like I said, and that will uh, hopefully inch it closer to profitability. But again, uh, in this environment, when the company is uh, growing at that level, uh, which is pretty, pretty nice, 30%, Price to sales, at least on a trailing basis, is still 10, uh, 10 times uh, sales. So overall, from a valuation uh, perspective, it may be uh, fully priced in relative to price to sales, but uh, we'll have to see how it trades either as we get more information in the after hours or tomorrow in the open. Uh, hiking the guidance, uh, definitely. Uh, the top, I don't know, two or three things you could possibly do, uh, right, apart from uh, hiking the dividend or a dividend, uh, but uh, this is a stock that uh, investors buy for growth, uh, not necessarily uh, yeah. the cash flow. Uh, or does that change now the older and more mature this becomes? I will say that uh, it does look like investors are treating it that way, uh, older and more mature, uh, kind of almost trading as Cisco has lately, uh, more stable than some of the really high octane stuff out yeah. there. Yeah, look, I think you make a great point. At the end of the day, and the reason it actually matches my point on cash, OJ, they do have a lot of cash on the balance sheet. And so, you know, one would say at some point in time, you know, Wall Street will say deploy it in some way, either share buyback, a dividend. Uh, it looks like Palo Alto has sort of meet, maybe at the very least on a cyclical basis reached their uh, peak at least maybe in the last, uh, you know, three quarters or so in terms of their capital expenditure. So, Ideally speaking, you know, I think they're trying to give Wall Street a signal saying, look, if we start initiating a dividend, it gives uh, you a signal, there's Wall Street a signal that we feel confident uh, in the ability to, uh, to make uh, positive earnings on a gap basis. So they're not there on a gap basis just yet, 
but they are they are like I said, free cash flow positive and do have a, a rich balance sheet in cash uh, relative to sales. So it's kind of wishy washy because you know I would say if it didn't have the cash in the balance sheet, this may be a situation where we see it move higher than maybe trade to the downside. I can't say what'll happen tomorrow, but overall it looks like they're very confident, and that's what I deduce from the language. Uh, provided by, uh, by of course, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, C-suite executives. And, of course, what we're seeing in terms of the reaction of Wall Street. Wall Street wants some of that cash, either through a share buyback or dividend. It looks like they're going to pay it out. Okay. All right. Interesting, uh, George. So Palo Alto kind of looking like uh, maybe uh, they've been around the block a few times more than uh, some of the uh, nascent uh, upcomers in the cybersecurity space. Uh, I mean, hey, $50 billion stock, you know, it's um, uh, not small anymore. Uh, certainly not a uh, no. business that is uh, just getting its feet wet by any means. This has been a favorite for a long time. So it's going to take something really profound uh, to break it. Also, I would say that, as we pointed out with the chart master this morning, uh, Palo Alto has good support around 480 to 490 bucks, a gap up level from two earnings ago. So you'd have to have something a pretty bad happen here. So we'll look to this stock after this good earnings, because if this stock gets pulled by the market and you know that like we're in some serious stuff uh, for lack of a better term right i mean this is a really nice earnings from a really long-term reliable favorite in cloud tech definitely and i think the price action also speaks to what's going on financially with the company oj as you mentioned uh, in terms of support levels performance relative to the markets is performing really well uh, again it's not immune to of course the declines we're seeing in the overall broad markets and our, what I call a prolonged correction that we're in. And it's been going on now almost three months since November. But at the end of the day, you do see, you know, the efficient market, you know, uh, you know, propagated here in, this, in a company like this. And it, it matches that the price action matches the financials. So at the end of the day, if we see top line sales improving, we're seeing, of course, earnings beat, plus the cash on the balance sheet, cash flow positivity, confidence that, of course, uh, the, the executives of the company are providing us. That's where companies get rewarded in this environment, and this is this is important because, you know, once we get clear or clear this uh, hurdle that we're in right now, we're trying to overcome with the overall broader market. You know, companies like Palo Alto, you know, will be will be there to uh, to make small, you know, cumulative gains versus big, you know, snapback rally kinds of gains. So it's it's more of a legacy company, and I agree with you there, OJ. It's a stable company. Uh, ideally speaking, we'd like to see it profitable on a gap basis. It's not there yet, but it's inching closer and closer towards that. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, nice, George. Uh, so uh, if they can uh, get there across that uh, permanently, uh, then uh, you've got a, a, a strong case to be made for a stock that stands out uh, from the pack. Uh, let's talk Toll Brothers, George, uh, where it's pretty hard to stand out as a home builder when most of these businesses are dealing with the same headwinds, same problems as uh, their competitors are. A higher inflation, price of a piece of wood that's uh, going skyward again. Uh, the stock, though, is uh, getting a little bit of love here. First tick is uh, back to where it traded around 11 a.m. Chicago time, a three and a quarter percent decline coming into this report. Their backlog for the first quarter of homes rose 27 percent to 11,300 homes, as they did 1.8 billion dollars in revenue, and, and netted out about 152 million dollars in profit, which translated to a $1.24 EPS. Oh, and there's the tick lower, even though that $1.24 was better than the yeah. estimate, as was the revenue. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I try to think about what would be the reaction for toll after the earnings OJ, and I suspected, 
uh, at the end of the day, that despite the earnings beating the revenue beat, we'd see at least a decline. Now, things can change. I can't say what will happen tomorrow on the open or even after we're done with our, our segment here. But at the end of the day, I think when you look at Toll Brothers, it's one of the leading luxury home builders. This is important because they're really focused on urban centers uh, and their homes are very expensive. Uh, so they're up on the on the higher price end of the scale, which means at the end of the day, unit volume is lower relative to larger peers like, for instance, DR Horton or Lennar, which are basically companies that are almost three times the size. So uh, margin has always been a, a problem for Toll Brothers because of unit volume sales being lower uh, because of those higher price points. Not, not a bad thing when things are moving in the right direction, but you have to think about where this mass migration is. It's on the outer skirts of urban centers. And that's where I think maybe some of the respective competitors, maybe like the Pulte Homes, seem to have a little bit of an edge. Now, Looking at the numbers overall, uh, relative to price performance, there was a beat, as you mentioned, uh, the expectations was a buck 15 in terms of EPS. Looks like they came in line on sales, uh, which is over about 15% on a year-over-year basis. But I think, you know, we have to think about the nature of the cyclicality of homes right now. And, and in essence, you know, I looked at mortgage rates uh, inching closer to 4%. Now, we haven't seen that since May of 2019. And, and I think that's a problem uh, from the standpoint of, you know, not necessarily a principle because we know home prices are very expensive. Income, I think, is going to be a problem uh, going forward. But I think the payment cost now is going to slightly inch higher. And we have to also think about the nature of QE and tapering from a macro perspective. Uh, monetary policy has been very, very favorable for mortgage-backed securities markets, which has suppressed interest rates uh, for homes. So I think all of these combined are putting pressure on these cyclical companies uh, especially when you have companies like Toll Brothers, like I mentioned, spending billions of dollars on urban centers. So I think that, you know, there probably is a better play out there on a relative basis to uh, to Toll uh, with better margins housing. for Pulte Homes. Yeah, within housing. Because if you look at the relative performance, you can actually see that those companies like Pulte, which actually has a pretty substantive increase on a relative basis on the operating margins and gross margins, uh, they can spread out or, uh, or if you will, thin out uh, their cost of goods sold. And that's a better proposition in this market environment where we see the cost of unit costs uh, rise. I don't necessarily see incomes keeping up with inflation because we don't necessarily have the unionized kinds of labor like we had back in the 70s. That's a big, uh, a big difference between inflation today and then. Uh, and the other thing is uh, interest rates. I don't think uh, people are ready for it. Uh, I don't think the market is ready for higher interest rates mm. somewhere in the four plus percent range of the mortgage uh, 30 year. Toll Brothers has uh, returned uh, just uh, a little over half of the broader home builders basket. So to your point there, that's a three year period, by the way. Uh, so to your point there, that shows up as an underperformer. Uh, you know, look, it's it seems clear that there's still tons of demand for this. Uh, but uh, sure. now perhaps maybe if you owned a whole group of home builders, maybe time to thin it up and uh, try and uh, pick the very best ones uh, or take profit. I mean, just it, here's the one thing they all do have in common, though. If you forget about the percent returns over some set period, they're all right now breaking down to uh, new 10-month lows. So some pretty major yep. uh, chart reversal uh, of the likes we haven't seen in home builders basically since COVID began. So are the odds increasing that uh, we saw the housing peak, George? Last thought, I mean, do these numbers suggest housing peak passed? You know, you know, it's a good question. I can't say. I don't think we've picked, we've peaked cyclically from the economy. I think we're in a prolonged correction from the market. I don't necessarily think we're nearing recession. And so if we were nearing recession, I would say perhaps we, we won't see 
you know, at least a marginal recovery in these stocks, you know, maybe a retracement, 50% of the highs to lows in the last, let's say, six months or so. That's certainly a possibility. Um, you know, I think maybe overall in the market, we'll see a tradable bottom on the S&P somewhere in the low 4,000, maybe high 3,900. And I think we'll see some participation in the home builders uh, as a result of that market, you know, snapback rally. So overall, you know, is this just a continual downtrend? I can't say. You can't fight it, at least in the near term. But I don't necessarily see us going into recession. I think overall housing prices are going to remain stable. Uh, managing cost of goods sold is really a problem. But I think at the end of the day, affordability becomes a challenge because it's such a high hurdle right now. Not just the prices at sticker shock, it, it's really the elements of, of financing. And when you think about you know, higher priced homes, there's a higher portion of that uh, in terms of dollars and cents, not necessarily as a percentage that's financed. And so they're susceptible to the elasticity of, of interest rates. And I think that's one of the challenges we'll see in toll on a relative basis to the home builders. I'm not saying they're all bad, but you're probably gonna find better performers out there, those that have lower price points, maybe have the ability to uh, have the FHA finance those lower lower priced homes. And those are gonna be those competitors versus the jumbo market, which I think is gonna be, uh, you know, pulled back on from the standpoint of, you know, the, 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 the support that uh, the monetary policy regime we've had in the last, mm -hmm. you know, two years has provided. Okay, uh, it seems like it keeps coming back macro for uh, home builders, uh, George, uh, even though uh, yes. over a long period, it has been uh, more rewarding to uh, pick, if you can, uh, the best ones in the group. Uh, still up as a whole, uh, but Toll Brothers distinctly lagging uh, the broader group. Uh, everybody under pressure now together. Thanks, George, uh, on the earnings. Appreciate it. Okay, Power okay, thanks. Toll Brothers. You demand GT.